Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. People need to learn the difference between what I want and what I need. I want a nice body, but I need banana pudding. It's true. <laughs> oh, so y'all know all the stuff that happened with romaine lettuce this year, like two recalls is going to kill you and all that bad stuff. So right now, donuts are healthier than romaine lettuce. I have been preparing my whole life for this moment. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, uh, oh man, I'm super excited about this word tonight. So I want you to go to Second Chronicles. You don't have to stand, just go ahead and stay seated. Uh, we're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 1. Second Chronicles chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6. So do y'all, y'all ain't, ain't going to be in no hurry tonight. I tell y'all this before every time I start because I like to tell testimonies and some stories and stuff like that. But if you have to leave at any time, you go ahead if I get too long-winded. But uh, I do want to tell you guys some stories because I believe uh, testimonies increase faith. If I ever tell you a testimony, make sure you know my heart posture if you don't have a great uh, relationship with me personally. Uh, I never tell a testimony to uplift myself, but I want you to be encouraged about who you were created to be in Jesus Christ and know what's available. If I tell you a testimony, I want it to provoke faith. So I've been on this journey for a little bit now, and God has really been uh, turning my perspective. I've been renewing my mind, and the truth I'm learning about God right now, about healing and about my position as, and your position as a son and daughter, and making sure we're living from the right position, the, the right perspective, to make sure we're having the influence we were created to have. Amen? So as this is going on, I'm really going to get into to it tonight. The other day... Uh, uh, had a phone call from a lady here in our town uh, in the nursing home, and she called me, and she was uh, just got put in the nursing home, was starting to have seizures twice a day. Uh, went up there, uh, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, prayed. Uh, didn't beg God to do anything, because we're sons and daughters. We have an inheritance. Never have to beg God for anything. We exercise the authority we have through the blood of the cross. We don't have to beg. Declared the word of God and declared in Jesus' name that seizures were trespassing. They had to go and could not return. I left. I got a phone call from her yesterday, which was two days since we've prayed. She's not had a seizure since. Amen. On the way out, on the way out, ran into a young lady, was walking by a nursing center, and as I walked by, the Holy Spirit said, that nurse has something wrong with her right leg. So, walked into the nursing booth, asked her if she had something wrong with her right leg. She had complete and total nerve damage in her right leg and hip. Had constant pain standing on her feet. We declared the word of God over, spoke it into existence. Her heel, her leg got instantly healed. Amen. We're created to exercise the authority that Jesus gave us. Don't have to beg, don't have to plead, just have to have confidence, which is faith in the one that paid the price for it. So I want you to look in Solomon chapter 1. I'm going to read this story. I have a lot of other scripture I'll throw out, make reference to. So if you are taking notes, just write the scripture down. Go back to it. We're not going to have it on the screen. So I want everybody to say breakthrough. Breakthrough is important. It's important that you know him as the God of breakthrough. It's important that you don't live your life trying to build a theology around unanswered prayers. It's important. 
It's important to know your position. It's important to live in faith. And it's important to pray prayers that God wants you to pray to see his kingdom come. And that we don't build a theology around uh, disappointment. So 2 Chronicles chapter 1, start in verse 6. And it said, And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in this place. Say position. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge. Now give me wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor, or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for a long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have any light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, just let it be your voice. I just want to be a mouthpiece tonight to declare what you're saying over this body, over this group of people, anyone watching online, God, that we just discover who we are in you, God, and the authority we have and what you're wanting to speak into our lives. Father, have your will. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So I want you to look at something here. very first thing Solomon does when he's anointed to be king, his dad was David, had one of the best rulerships you would I guess you would call it kingdoms, was an amazing king. Solomon gets anointed king. We just see Solomon take the throne right here. When Solomon takes the throne, the first thing he does under, under the anointing God has given him and the position, he says it goes to the tabernacle of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. So everything in the Old Testament is a light and shadow to what took place in the New Testament, right? So what we see here is our life in Jesus Christ. So Solomon has a position that he didn't gain on his own. The position he received was an anointing from Jesus. It was an anointing from God on Solomon's life. He didn't self-promote himself. He didn't gain the position by working hard. He was anointed to be the next king. He come from a lineage, a lineage of kings, and he was anointed to be the next king. And I want you to see the first thing he does is he goes to the temple, the place of worship, the place where God's presence is. Everybody say, I'm a temple. I'm a temple. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, I am the temple. And the ark lives inside of me, which is the presence of God. But see, we see Solomon go to the temple where the ark is, where the presence of God is. He's going there for one purpose, to make a sacrifice and hear from God. So when he hears from God, he goes to the tabernacle and he's ready to make a sacrifice. Who knows that we can't make a sacrifice that isn't outside of the blood of Jesus? So what I mean by that is, me and you can sacrifice all day, but if it wouldn't have been for Jesus and his blood, it would mean nothing. But I can tell you this, even though Jesus paid the price, he calls us to sacrifice. Everything in the New Testament is a light and shadow of the old, and it shows us 
reverse that, Old Testament light and shadow of the new. But he shows us that even though Jesus gave us access through the blood of the cross and his sacrifice, our life is a sacrifice. And that our life is meant to be what Solomon had a thousand bulls and goats and offered them on the altar in the temple is light and shadow to what our life is meant to be. So what equaled a thousand offerings in the Old Testament is just our life on our personal altar. I know the anointing God has on my life. I know what he's calling me to do. I know what he's saying about me. And I know that what Jesus did on the blood of the, by the cross, what it gives me position and opportunity to do. But a lot of times we want to pull the inheritance through the cross this side, not inheritant on that side. So what I mean is I want to pull my inheritance into the pre-cross position. But all I have to do is embrace death, which is the sacrifice of my own personal life. And when I embrace self-sacrifice, I don't live in death, I live in life. It, we, we, we stop before the resurrection. We want the inheritance that comes after the resurrection. Signs, wonders, miracles, prosperity, all the things that Jesus promised. We want those things because we have an inward desire for those things. It's healthy. If you don't have that inward desire, uh, pray through. <laughs> so, so what we see is you must have that inward desire for the things that Jesus said should be yours. But see, what we don't want is the sacrifice of myself. So here's what I'm learning. You may be saying, what is sacrifice? What does that mean? So I'll tell you, me and my wife, we've been going on this journey for a little while, asking the Father, what do we need to sacrifice? What do you want us to lay down? And he is happy to show us the things that are standing in the way of our inheritance. Amen. But what happens when you ain't got nothing else to give? I love what Bill Johnson said. If you'll get on the altar, he'll pour the fire out on you. And he'll never stop burning. So what I'm discovering is it isn't about of what physical things I can give up. It's the fact that I get the joyful opportunity that I can be the sacrifice. Something shifts in your life when all of a sudden you realize I can be the sacrifice. Like all of a sudden because of what Jesus did, I can climb on the altar and he'll pour the fire down on me. That I, that I can be the offering before the Lord to say, use my life in whatever way you want. That all of a sudden the cross becomes a reality that Jesus granted me access through. That all of a sudden I can climb on the altar of my own desires and my own will and my own ways. And he'll take it, he'll sacrifice it, he'll pour his blood on it. And then all of a sudden I'm resurrected in the image of Jesus. And I don't have to beg for an inheritance, it's just mine. I, don't, I ain't got to beg for somebody to get healed, it's my inheritance. I ain't, I ain't begging God for anything. He said, if you sacrifice your life at the altar of Jesus Christ, it says he was the sacrifice for our sins. I could sacrifice my life all day long, but if it wasn't for Jesus, it wouldn't mean anything. But through Jesus, when I climb on the altar, embrace his death, all of a sudden I get to live in resurrected life, and then I get an inheritance that I get to celebrate. Celebrate. Because I love to celebrate my inheritance that I have in the Father. But let's see what Solomon does. The first thing, the first thing we got to understand, that sacrifice gives you communion with the Father. Sacrifice, for lack of a better term, gives you the room with our Father. It gives you access to speak to Him like a Father. Jesus came 
that we would no longer be orphans, but that we could be adopted and cry out, Abba, Father. How is that? That I go through the cross. When I go through the cross and present an offering, which is my personal self, then all of a sudden I have an audience with the king. To get an audience with the king is what we're searching for. I don't want self-declaration, self-promotion, and self-positioning. I want an audience with the king. Because the king's going to say things that's going to bring freedom and healing to a world that needs his goodness. I'm not looking for self-promotion. I'm looking for an altar. Because when I find an altar and I step on it and give my life, then all of a sudden I get an audience with the king. And I'm not begging for prayers and throwing unanswered prayers, but all of a sudden I step into a reality that I'm having a conversation with my dad. My prayers are not lobbed up in the air hoping that God will knock them out of the park and answer him I'm just talking with my dad and then all of a sudden he said the same spirit that raised Christ that Jesus from the dead is in you so all of a sudden I understand Kamal's oneness and I'm oneness with the spirit of God in me so then therefore my life looks like a conversation with my father I wasn't going to go here but this is going to be good so we look outside to get things Somebody needs healing I need to go get God to bring it but if he said Jesus even said he said, if you don't deny me, you obey my commandments, I will not leave you, but me and my Father will come make our home in you. He said, we're coming. All you got to do is obey. What is obedience? Sacrifice of self. All you got to do is sacrifice, get on the altar, and me and Dad's going to come make our home in your heart. And then all of a sudden it becomes a reality that I'm in a conversation. I'm not begging a foreign God to give me a product that is not mine. I'm just a son walking in communion with my dad. And all of a sudden, I get into this conversation when I see somebody that needs healing. I'm not going outside of myself. I'm looking within because he said he's within. It's not a self-proclaimed gospel. It's an understanding of position. Because if you don't understand position, you're begging for things that you already have. And if I'm begging for something, I cannot bring it to a person in need. Paupers beg. Princes bless. Paupers beg. If I'm a pauper, I ain't got no identity. I'm going around begging for things. I need something. But when I'm a prince, when I'm a king, when I'm a priest, when I have identity, I don't need to beg. I get to give. We're trying to give out of empty vessels because we're beggars. But all of a sudden, when I move into position and I understand, man, I'm a king. I'm a, I'm a priest in a covenant because I got on an altar. Then all of a sudden I realize I ain't got to beg for nothing. I get to exercise authority, and when healing comes, they look to the Father. Because I'm not looking to get glory. I'm looking to portray glory. But we can't even give glory because we're beggars. I'm begging because I never got on an altar. When you understand this, getting on an altar looks like a joy. I'm not scared of sacrifice anymore. I embrace it. I look for opportunities when God's going to highlight something to say, you know what, that may be in the, in the way of the inheritance. That might be in the way. That's fine, Father. I get on the altar with my own personal life. I expose myself so that you can make me all you created me to be, and that's the identity of Jesus. Solomon, he knew it. He gave the offering. First thing, he knew he had to present his body. He had to present that offering, what we would be our own lives. He had to present that sacrifice. And it says after he presented that sacrifice, the Lord came in the night. What a moment when Jesus comes. What a moment. Many of you are living without hearing the voice, without hearing God speak into your heart. Can I tell you, it's not that 
God's not speaking to you, sometimes we just haven't embraced our sacrifice. Sometimes I will tell you, God in his mercy and grace will do a lot of things for you. Will speak a lot of things, will do a lot of things, and he'll even answer prayers. Because he's trying to reveal to you the nature of his goodness. But you're still a beggar. You're throwing out wishes and hoping a genie will grant them. When, when you get on an altar and give your life fully, get your foot out of every other boat and get in his, fully embrace the loss of identity, the loss of everything you created outside of Jesus. When you get in that boat, all of a sudden you get the floor with the king. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me a king in this place. I want you to recognize what Solomon does next. First, he causes the sacrifice. He offers the sacrifice. What is that? Our own personal life. Next, he is not dumb to his position. <laughs> Man, this is going to be good. He recognizes his position. A lot of us choose to live blindly to our position because we're fearful of the responsibility. With great position comes great responsibility. When I'm called to release the kingdom of heaven in signs, wonders, and miracles, and it should bother you, I am no more anointed for healing than anyone in this room. I'm no more anointed. God did not say, I'll give you a ministry of healing. He said, I want you to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons in my name. What was the position? Like Jesus. I didn't give you a ministry of healing. I didn't give you a ministry of preaching. I said, go declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you do so, the only way they'll believe you is if you manifest something greater than what they're dealing with. So you better do it. My knowledge of Scripture means nothing if there is not supernatural power backing up that my God is God. There's, no, there's nothing. I have no leg to stand on. But we don't recognize our position as sons and daughters. And when we don't recognize it, what we don't realize is we're trying to cover up an insecurity thinking he won't come through. Because we still refer to an outside source. How often? Think about it. I've done it. Do we pray for something trying to get God to come? To the situation like God come heal this leg Father Holy Spirit come Jesus come work a new thing in this leg come do it he's in me what, what? I, I'm not inviting him to the situation I brought him with me yeah. <laughs> because I recognize my position but we don't recognize our position so we may have made the sacrifice but we're unacknowledging of my position what is our position I'm glad you asked. Man, I would love to tell you. Ephesians 1, 18 through 21. Let's flip there. That sounds like a good spot. I like Ephesians. The eyes of your understanding. <laughs> Never seat the preacher on the front row. Never. We got to. <laughs> the, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you. Towards you who believe. You believe. You got position. 
who believe according to the work of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and when he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above. Everybody say far above. Not slightly above, far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. What does it say in the Word of God? That He has seated you in heavenly places. What does it mean? It means my position is with the Father. My position means I get to give away what's in heaven. What's in heaven? Perfect healing. Perfect wholeness, perfect complete. Your mind doesn't have to be in chaos. I can recognize when you're in personal chaos and I can bring healing. You, he didn't need it. He's fine. <laughs> but it's all of a sudden my position changes. And not only that, but I'm not fearful. A lot of us won't acknowledge our position because then we're scared the sick are going to come out. Hey, you want to know something cool? Pray for one sick person, they get healed. I bet you get a phone call. Didn't make me want to go put up my name on a Facebook page and maybe want to crawl under an altar when all of a sudden I was getting phone calls of people laying in hospital beds on their last breath. But I got to know my position, Rich. I got to know. I didn't crawl under an altar and beg God to come inherit me so that I may present him. I already knew he was there. But I had to recognize it, crawl out from under the altar and understand, that's okay, bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. That's a song, sorry. I was, that is, stop that. Y'all stop that. But it's all of a sudden I've recognized my position and I'm not fearful of my responsibilities. All of a sudden I become joyful because one, I didn't miss the process of the cross. So therefore, I didn't miss the process of the resurrection. So thou, therefore, I'm not living in an abandonment as an orphan, begging God to come influence my situation. I embraced the cross because I knew there has to be a sacrifice. Can I tell you, you cannot live in this life without sacrifice. You cannot live in this life without giving something up. But because you embrace the sacrifice, you'll get to embrace the resurrection. He won't leave you there. He proved it to us in Jesus. He won't leave you there. And when he won't leave you there, you get resurrected. And then all of a sudden, God will come to you and say, ask. <laughs> Walking through a hospital and see somebody sick, ask. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you're not begging God for something and trying to convince yourself to have faith. You're hearing God's heart it's impossible to not have faith when you hear God's heart. Wow. It's impossible to live without faith when you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I'm not walking around begging God to give me more faith. My faith is increased by my position. I'm sitting in a room with my dad and my older brother. That said he was the firstborn among many brothers. You want me to tell you some more about your position? He was the firstborn. So it meant you were coming down into a lineage line that would give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven to release on earth. Can I tell you something? Your position's not heaven. Huh? Can I tell you if Adam and Eve ever, would have never failed, you'd have never got there? We think it's all about going to heaven. It's not all about going to heaven. Did you know in Psalms, I'm glad you asked, Scott, in Psalms, I wrote it down earlier, but it is not there now. But it's in Psalms. I think it's 112. Maybe 112 or 108. It's in there. Read it. He says that the heavens, the heavens 
and all that contained were made for him. But the earth was made for the sons of men. Your position, it said in the beginning, in uh, Genesis 1, verse 26, he said, let us make men in our image and according to our likeness and let's give them dominion. Can I tell you, he didn't make you to subdue, he didn't make you to populate the earth. He made the earth for you. Uh-oh. He didn't make you to supply and, and work his earth that he created. It said he thought of you before the foundations of the world. So if he thought of you before the foundations of the world, he didn't make you for the world. He was making the world for you. Because he wasn't going to make man and throw him out into what he called chaos. He put it all in a structure, molded it, cast out the, the water from the land and made day, night, and night. Yeah. He did all these things and he made this beautiful earth and then he put man on it. And then he said, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, and subdue it. But the first thing he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then let's give him dominion. Before he told you to be a worshiper, before he taught you how to pray, before he told you to be anything else, he said, dominion. We live subdued by the world we were meant to subdue. He gave us a position in Jesus Christ that said, I have given you dominion, and you go exercise it. Don't let anything this world bubbles up counteract what is within you, and that's the power of Jesus. It's that position. It's that position. Hey, look, there it is. Psalms 115, nailed that. 115, 16, the heavens are the heaven are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth He has given to the sons of men. He gave us this planet to live on it, to rule it, and to exercise. And He taught the disciples how to pray. He said, Our Father, when you pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glory to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. We are so positioned about what's going to happen next that we forget what's supposed to happen now. What's supposed to happen now is you recognize your position through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ when you lay down yourself on an altar and you inherit position. Position where God said, if you are obedient and keep my commandments, me and your Father are going to come make our home inside of you. And then I have given you, he was called the last Adam. He finished it. It is finished. He was the last Adam. He come to restore what the first Adam failed. When he came to restore what the first Adam dropped, when he restored it, he said, I'm trying to position you to the original design. What is the original design? Let us make them in our likeness and in our image, and I give you dominion. He was restoring the dominion of man that walks in position with God to rule on the earth that he had given them from the beginning. But right now, we live because we do not know our position, begging God to influence. He said, I gave you the job to do. We're scared of our position. So I, I, I can tell. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. That's fine. I am. I'm nuts. But you look at me, and it's hard for you to process the fact that God would say, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Because can I tell you, we try to lob the majority of our own responsibilities back on God. God, come heal this person. God, God, God heal this marriage. 
Exercise authority. You're not doing it of your own hands. He lives within you and his power's flowing out of you. You're not trying to throw the responsibility back on God. You're trying to exercise the authority that is already within you. We're looking to outside source this thing. When God said, I moved in. I moved in. Romans 8, 29 through 30 says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Everybody say position. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred. Everybody say transferred. His perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess, all oh, of that word, and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. When you embrace sacrifice and you're resurrected in the image of Jesus, then you become possessing of his righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness. He said those who possess his righteousness. We have to embrace the cross and the resurrection that we may possess his righteousness and know our position. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a good word, Colby. <laughs> Let's go back to Second Chronicles. Verse 9. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now here is where I just really want to spend a little bit of time and I promise I won't be super late. So, so far, we've seen we can't, we can't step into this thing without sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. You get on the altar and you say, God, have my life. Have every bit of it. Expose me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Don't hold anything back. Correct me. Bring your love encounter to my heart that I can live with true identity. Sacrifice. Sacrifice gives us position to speak to our Father and that He will respond. Then we recognize our position. We don't play dumb to what God has created us to do. Can I tell you, there's not two versions of Christianity. You've heard me say this before and I'm very passionate about it. Just because... You may be anointed to be a teacher or an evangelist. That does not give you the right to say, I'm a teacher. I don't need the supernatural. He called me to teach the Word. There was one standard, and it's Jesus. We are not, listen to me, you are not in relationship with Jesus, born again, allowed to exonate the things out of his life that make you uncomfortable. You're not. You're meant to be a worship leader, a supernatural worship leader that prays for the sick and the sick get healed. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. He was showing us the original design was this. You heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you cast out demons, and you raise the dead, and you do it in my name to prove that I am God. We cannot leave anything out. Our, all of our positions, all of our positions are Total dominion over darkness, principalities, sickness, pain, anything on this earth that inflicts the sons and daughters of God. Now, I want us to see what happens here. 
Now that God has spoke to Solomon, Solomon does what I believe is something so beautiful in the eyes of God. Because he recognized his position, he asked him for what would allow him to be great in that position. He said, God, I don't want riches. I don't want wealth. I don't want a long life. I don't want to be honored. I don't want a position. I don't want the church to come give me a title. I want knowledge and wisdom to do what you've anointed me to do. And because of it, God's heart was delighted to give it to him. So much so, it's so beautiful to me that you actually see the character of God and how he responds to Solomon. Solomon, because your heart is so pure and you actually want what it takes to further my kingdom, not only am I going to give you knowledge and wisdom, it's granted, but I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you wealth like no king before you has ever had nor will another king ever have. We are asking for things that God is not concerned about. Let me, let me expound on that. God wants your marriage to be healthy. He wants your finances to be healthy. He wants to do all of these things for you. But what did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom. We're trying to add what God is happy to add himself. Seek ye first the kingdom. Solomon said, I've got a position. I, got, I, I made the sacrifice. And now I'm speaking with the Father. Now is your heart's concern what his concern is. I love what Bill Johnson says. He said, when people come up to him and say, my prayer life's just terrible. I'm not hearing from God. Well, change the way you're praying. Talk to him about something he wants to talk about. We're constantly talking to God about things. He just said, will you further my kingdom? And I'll add those things. Just do the will that I've anointed you to do. But we never get to this spot because we don't recognize the position. The position is to be a son, an exact representation of Jesus. Then when we get to this position, my heart longs. He said everything he said in the Bible. Ask in my name. Anything you ask in my name. What does in mean? It means through. It means of. It actually means origin. Origin means birth in. Origin. He said, anything you ask in my name, what are you in? I'm second birth into the origin of Jesus. I actually got a new bloodline. Did you know in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 when it said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Did you know that new creature means like a new being? Like you're not, even, you're not even the original Adam anymore because you're a new offspring, a new breed. Like you got designed in a lab by Jesus. <laughs> Don't, I'm so, somebody's going to freak out. I'm going to get an email about that. <laughs> like, like, it's good. Like, you're a brand new creature. Like, you're totally redesigned. And he said, anything you ask in, in, in. We just want to ask, but we never want the end. I never want the new origin. I never want what took me to get here is sacrifice. I want to ask, 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 but I never got his heart. Can I tell you, I, I look back now, and I had to go through that process, but I, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't totally out of it. But <laughs> I, sometimes we just ask some really immature prayers. <laughs> we do, like our prayer lives are filled with self-indulgence because we haven't caught the heart of God. Can I tell you now as I'm transitioning, and just by the grace of God, He's teaching me this, all of a sudden my prayer life's changing. Like, God, what are you talking about today? 
Like, like, what? Pull up to the grocery store. Like, who, who in here needs love? Who, who in here needs to be healed? Who in here needs an encounter? Like, all of a sudden, my prayer life's changing because I'm not selfish. I got a new identity, and I'm in the one that came and gave me the opportunity to get on the altar. And I got this new origin. I got new blood in my veins. I got a new mind. Said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, in, through, new origin. Like all of a sudden, I'm inheriting something that I ain't got to beg for, I ain't got to plead for, but it produces out of my life because I'm understanding my position. I'm understanding my position. The other day when I went to the nursing home was the biggest shift of my life. Normally I go with confidence and faith that people will get healed. But I'm asking God to come. I don't ask God to come anymore. I'm with Him. He is with me. He is living on the inside. I have a position where He said, Go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons in my name. He said, You go. You go. When he left and he promised us the Holy Spirit, he said he will be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Everything I read in the Word of God is that God come made his home with me and said, there ain't no way I'm leaving. I love, oh man, I love this by Curry Blake the other day. It said, Jesus said this about John the Baptist. He said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. That kind of blows my mind. And he said as he studied out, God began to show him, he said it's because John had a different message than all the prophets. They prophesied one day the Messiah is coming. And John got to say, the Messiah is here. And then Jesus goes on to say that John the Baptist was the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. That kind of blows my mind a little bit. That the least in this new covenant is greater than all of the prophets throughout history. And he said, as he began to study out it, the Holy Spirit told him, he said, because John had to do something that you'll never have to do. When Jesus came and was baptized by John, when he began to walk away, he said, there goes the Christ. You'll never have to say that. He came and made his home. I'll never have to say, there goes the Christ. He's here. Man, he, I'm so full on the inside now. Like, I'm so full. I'm so complete. I'm so made whole. I'm so refreshed. I'm so refreshed. Because now all of a sudden, I don't ever have to say, God, come. I'm fully aware he's here. And when I went to that nursing home, all of a sudden, God's power began to flow. The Holy Spirit began to fall in the room. Because all of a sudden, he had a son that was partnering with the truth of the word and had found his position. This is what rest is. This is what true rest is. I got on an altar, and I died, and then I got resurrected, and I acknowledged my position. And now, all of a sudden, when he said, ask anything in my name, it always blew me away that Jesus would say, ask anything in my name. Because I was like, you gotta, you got to realize there's going to be a nut job coming along that's asking like Bentleys and million-dollar suitcases. And, but all of a sudden, I realized, he said, in my name. And I began to discover what that meant. Because when you find yourself in a new origin, the second birth, born again, all of a sudden I go into prayer and I find myself praying his desires. All of a sudden, it shifted. It shifted all of a sudden. Now, I'm not asking to better me. I know he's going to add to my life. 
me and my wife have been going through this process of getting ready to go to uh, Kenya and Alicia as well and one other uh, girl in our community. And this year, we weren't fundraising at the end of the year, and we were getting ready to do a little bit of a T-shirt sale, and we were praying about God to highlight some people to us that may want to give into our ministry, so we wrote letters to them and sent them out. But the whole time this process is going is me and my wife were, we've got to do this. We've got to make this happen. We, 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 We thought we're building the kingdom, but we weren't building the kingdom. We were making things happen for ourselves. So there was no dependency on God. And then all of a sudden when our mentality began to shift and say, your will be done. I have a position and I know the will and I will rest. Within one month, one month, what went to look like none of us were going to go, all the funds were raised and we didn't do anything. We didn't sell plate lunches. We didn't do all that crazy stuff. God just began to produce it. He began to bring it in. Yesterday, we had all the money we needed and today got two more checks, over $250. They just keep coming at this point. Now, we're just having to put them in a fund to bless orphanage. Like, like, you don't have to pray for prosperity. Just pray, your kingdom come. And then, he's going to bring the kingdom through you, and he'll add riches like nobody else has ever seen. You'll be the manifestation of the goodness of God when you become one-eyed singular, I'm for the kingdom. I'm going to go ahead and I got a few more things, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here because I believe we're going to pray for some very specific healing and we're going to see some people just, God's going to just touch some people. You want to come play or Courtney want to come play? If you, uh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not releasing you yet. It's going to be good. Sacrifice. You got to get on the altar. If you want it, I understand not everybody will get there. Not everybody will climb up on there because I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's easy. Man, it's not. But what I inherited because of the altar is so worth it. My God. Like that altar looks like a merry-go-round now. And I just climb on that bad girl because I know what's coming when I get off. Like, let's go. That was terrible. Scott's dropping stuff. And, and I just called an altar a merry-go-round. <laughs> Jesus, help. <laughs> I didn't need to tell jokes. My message is. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. But anyway, so I got to get on this altar i got to understand that it's about sacrifice. Jesus paid the price. His blood cleansed me. But I guarantee you, you'll never see the kingdom. A lot of us will pray and repent enough to get to heaven. But like Bill John said, many of us will never repent enough to see heaven on earth. If you want to literally be a conduit. That's, what many, uh, that's why many people burn out. That's why many people don't stay faithful in a relationship. Because I can tell you right now, as a person who's done it both ways, to not manifest the kingdom is extremely boring. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah. It's boring. What I did in the world was way funner than Christianity without the supernatural power of God. Let's be really honest. That's why a lot of people live in cycles. Yeah, oh, up, out of sin, here I come back around. Out of sin, out of depression, no, come back around. Because this is boring without the true identity of Jesus Christ. I'm, I, I can't, it's, I love, we used to have a pastor that, uh, uh, his church uh, pastored here, it was Pastor Keith, and he used to say, I never want to live below my means. And he was talking about the kingdom, like, I never want to live with all this available and I just don't even use it. Like, I just don't even, I don't even walk in it, I don't even, 
inherit it because I'm just standing back here and I'm okay with mediocrity. That's why so many people are on cycles, on vicious cycles, that they can't ever stay in strength. There's a strength that comes with getting on the altar of yourself and being resurrected in your true identity. And the second thing is, know your position. Don't let Satan, don't let your wife, don't let your husband rob you of who you really are. Can I tell you, my why I am so blessed. My God, I've got a wife that loves God more than she'll ever love me, and we're championing the kingdom together. But if I had a wife that wasn't for the things I'm for, that's okay. I can't control her, but I'm going to live out my destiny. I don't have to put a for sale sign on my destiny because somebody don't agree with it. Just live this thing. And he said, all these things will be added to you. Live it. Build the kingdom. And he'll add what needs to be added. Know your position. Know your position. And don't let anybody tell you anything different. Don't let failure, don't let disappointment tell you anything different. Can I tell you, you know how many people I had to pray for before one guy healed? But all of a sudden, I had this thing burrowed down in my heart. And I, when I read it, I believed it. I read it and said I could raise the dead. I ain't done that yet, but I'm going to see that happen because God's going to do it. But I believe it. I read this thing and it become the conviction. It become the melody of my heart and said every time I've seen somebody not get healed, that's okay. It should happen. So I go bury myself back in my position and that's a son. I don't get up. I don't, I don't relocate. I don't write my, my, my address in pencil. I write it in, I, 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 I graph it in stone because this is where I live. So I know that the conviction that I got was not from a preacher. It was from the Word of God. And when it burrowed down in my heart, you can't convince me otherwise. When they don't get healed, you cannot convince me otherwise. Disappointment is reaming out the church because we've never bought into our position. So disappointment is destructive. Disappointment should, should drive you so far into the intimate place that the lies of the enemy can't even get in there. When you're that engulfed in the presence of God, lies can't get burrowed in. They can't convince you of a new identity that's not Jesus's. And then, man, we got to become a church that's about what God's about. We got to start asking God questions. We got to start asking God for God things, not selfish acts, not selfish provision. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you had a need. I know when you got a need, but your heart is drawn to the things of God. That's when we get in these internal battles because we're trying to process what I know I need with what God is drawing me to. So we get in this conflict and we just, we draw back. But can I tell you, when you silence the battle and you say, I will be about His kingdom, everything begins to shift. Everything begins to change. I called this breakthrough tonight because the Holy Spirit put it on my heart. And, uh, in the Psalms, uh, no, it wasn't in the Psalms. It was actually in First Chronicles. David calls the God that God is the God of breakthrough. And I heard in my spirit before this service, because Josh was nagging me for a title. 
that you get this, get on an altar, become resurrected through the blood of Jesus Christ, and know your position, you'll get to know God as the God of breakthrough. It'll become a reality to you. You won't sing the songs anymore and wonder, I would love to know him that way. You won't have tears when nobody's looking, wondering, I wish he would have healed them. It's never God's will for anyone to die of sickness early. It's never anyone God's will for you to be sick, for you to be hurting. But he's looking for sons that will believe him. He's looking for daughters that will believe him. He's looking for them that will be convinced. I'm one man, and we got a team raising up here that is convinced of this. And we're going to be a church of the supernatural because God is a supernatural God. And if it makes you uncomfortable, you might want to relocate because we will not stop relenting until it is normal for tumors to be dissolved. It is normal for people to stand up out of wheelchair. We are going after this thing with everything we've got because this is the Father's will. You will know Him as the God of breakthrough if you become convinced of what I'm telling you right now. You get on an altar. You make a sacrifice. You put yourself on there. If you don't know what to give away, you don't know what to give up, just put yourself on there. Just lay down and say, strip it all. Get everything out of the way. I want to see the glory. I want to see your kingdom come. Say it with conviction and get on there and don't get off until he's through. Don't get down. We've got to see this thing. We've got to see it happen. I'm going to. Will you? Will you? So here's what we're going to do. If you just, if God is dealing with anything on your heart you want forgiveness for, these altars are open. If you don't know Jesus, if you can honestly say, I've never embraced the altar. I've never got on it. And I've never asked God to be my personal Savior. If you've never had that prayer, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, when I finish, I'm going to walk right back there and you can come meet me and we will say the prayer of salvation and you can leave this building tonight knowing you're securing God. But if you have anything in your heart and you say, Father, I never embrace the death, so I cannot embrace the life. I want you to come to these altars and begin to pour your heart out before the Father. And He will forgive you and He will raise you up and He will begin to show you your true position. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.